Hey, all this is exciting way to start this. Yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah, Jesus. We are, we are definitely in a, uh, very specific point in time once again here in Los Angeles, but, uh, yeah. So, Hey y'all, this is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap up today. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of shit. Uh, the protests are happening, uh, again, uh, they are happening with force. They're happening across the fucking country. Uh, coronavirus is still wreaking havoc here on Los Angeles and on the state of California as a whole, as well as the rest of the country. Um, our board of supervisors got into some, uh, interesting, uh, shenanigans, shall we say, uh, on Tuesday and I was live tweeting it. So we'll, we've got a couple of audio clips to play for y'all from that because they don't actually do video because the board of supervisors is less transparent than the city council. Hooray. Uh, and then we also, there was a great, uh, KPCC round table over on air talk this week that we're going to talk briefly about before getting into a little bit of detail about what went down with my city councilman and his, uh, ongoing legal situation. And just, uh, <laughs> we're just going to touch on that briefly before we wrap everything up. Uh, but yeah, how's everything going for you, Bushido, before we dive into these protests? Uh, it's going all right. It's a little bit weird being out of town uh, yeah. and then seeing everything erupting last night. So we'll just dive right into that because the streets of me. L.A. Uh, looked like and this isn't like the first time this week that things have gotten escalated. The Beverly Hills protests uh, Thursday night got very escalated, led to a bunch of arrests. Uh, Beverly Hills PD called in people from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department and LAPD to handle it. It wasn't all that big or all that scary of a protest to begin with. So it's mm -hmm. it's. Not great to see them going from zero to 60 again. Uh, and then last night we had protests around downtown L.A., um, around the federal prison in downtown L.A., um, a couple of other parts of town as well. Um, and then today there's a big protest scheduled for the federal building on Wilshire that we'll uh, talk about a little bit more as we get into this. But we also saw action last night in Seattle, Portland, Austin, Aurora, um, pretty much all across the country. So let's let's talk a little bit about Portland because that's kind of the um, – yeah biggest battlefront in this this current conflict yeah so we're looking at this is something like the 50th day in a row of these protests that have been happening over in portland uh we have been seeing this as a non-stop non-stop struggle uh between protesters and and clashes with the uh customs and border patrol uh folks who which uh, as has been pointed out many places across the internet and on, on the news all over the place if you live literally anywhere within 100 miles of the ocean in the United States, you are subject to uh, whatever the fuck they want to do with you for Border Patrol because technically you're by the border. Uh, it is the ocean, but it is also a border. And uh, mm -hmm. it's just absolutely insane. So um, one, I wanted to play a quick clip here. So uh, this is a, a clip from last week where... Uh, federal agents had been were being pushed back by the protesters, uh, showing just how effective some of these tactics that have been deployed in Portland, at, which are you know a lot of it is learned from other protest actions that have been going on in places like Hong Kong uh, over the last year and some in in Hong Kong. Like mm -hmm. it's pretty pretty cool to see that this is like a uh, you know people are learning and it's awesome. So yes, uh, as probably Brenna is saying. Shout out to the leaf blower dads. That's 100% <laughs> what is going on here. So let's play that clip clip really quick. And those umbrellas. Yeah. Apparently when you're when you're carrying around a plywood shield, it doesn't really phase you when you're shooting pepper rounds at you. bigger every night yeah and uh that was actually like one of the only videos out of portland last week that didn't have like rage against the machine blasting in the background which is uh kind <laughs> of a fun little protest anthem there um yeah so uh, things have been going down in portland uh one of the more devastating things was uh you you sent me this information about uh, a protester who got shot in the head yeah, well, this this guy was the one carrying a boombox, I believe, um, outside of the federal courthouse in Portland, and the feds shot him while he had his hands over his head. 
literally holding a boombox, like no way to defend himself. Um, and he was shot in the head after kicking away um, a, a tear gas canister um, and was uh, basically just targeted by the feds, just in a retaliatory nature. And it seems like they're doing better, but that's a gnarly injury. Yeah, so this is uh, Donovan Labella, uh, who turned 26, I'm quoting here from the Oregonian, uh, who turned 26 the day before he was struck in an impact munition, or struck with an impact munition, July 11th, outside of the federal courthouse in Portland. Uh, continues to suffer from severe headaches and migraines, said his mother, Desiree Labella. The munition left him with a depressed skull fracture, extremely close to the optic nerve, she said. Uh, surgeons used, quote, mesh and titanium to pull his forehead back together, she said. Yep. So, the, I mean, the reason why we're, we're pointing this out is that, A, it's just absolutely horrific and the, uh, you know, shows exactly how brutal uh, these protests are. But this is highlighting, again, how these less than lethal, right, that, that famous term, less well, than but, lethal, is, is such also- a misnomer. Part of it is also that the, you know, when we, when we hear the term less than lethal or, you know, we hear that like 3% of foam rounds kill people that they impact, uh, that's kind of sold to us as like the malfunction. Like that's, you know, if it's not that the officers did anything wrong, that the round just, you know, didn't do its job when in fact, like the officers that are firing these are aiming to severely injure, if not kill someone like the officer who fired that round aimed it at that person's head. Like yeah. they, they literally, and we've seen this before, especially in Portland, um, with earlier protests where, uh, tear gas canisters have been fired at the backs of protesters heads, which could definitely kill someone if they're not wearing like a fairly substantial helmet on that head. Um, but we're also seeing this around the country in, even in the Pacific Northwest. So there's yep. some video out of Seattle as well of a nurse who was attacked by Seattle PD while they were apparently clearing a protest. Let's play that one real quick. And then we'll hear from the nurse as she kind of describes what she was trying to do. Absolutely. And then you can see the nurse down on the bottom right hand. Sort of yeah, in the scrubs. Oh, oh, oh. Leave them alone! And this, this is the same Seattle Police Department that basically uh, the chief sent out a letter to people in Seattle saying that Seattle police could no longer do their jobs. And that people were essentially on their own on their own now, trying to ramp up fear and you know turn the tide against the the protester narrative. Um, and I don't know that he's really accomplishing that goal, um, especially with those kind of very heavy-handed tactics. But let's let's uh, hear from this nurse because um, she's just like she's not like a professional activist or an organizer. She's not someone who like spends all of her life doing this. She's just like a regular nurse who decided to come out because she saw people literally being attacked by paramilitary forces. Here we go. I showed you what we got on camera. What were you trying to do in that moment before you got sprayed? Pull the guy away. I mean, I've seen, I've seen footage from Hong Kong of like how you have to get people away from the cops because once they get them, they arrest them, they brutalize them, they beat them. They look like I saw the guy with the baton and the guy that had the tear gas launcher, I guess. And it's like, okay, so you're aiming that at people. Like you're muzzle sweeping people in the crowd with this. This is a bounce off the ground scenario. Not even a shoot into the air scenario because it can come down. Like basic gun safety still applies to everything from paintball guns to, you know, tear, tear gas launchers. So that wasn't happening. Saw the guy with the, saw the guy with the baton, saw the guy they were trying to drag down. And I was like, nope, nope, shit, no. So, yeah. Um, you ran up there and then what happened? So I started grabbing the guy and dragging him up and trying to pull him up the top because it's hard to get up and down. And something hit me in the ass. <laughs> Sorry for the unprintable language, but uh, yeah, I'm going to have a nasty bruise. Uh, it hurts. Yeah, you didn't know. You asked me what yeah. happened. When you see how like how much it shot you backwards, how strong that spray was, what were your thoughts? Like, like, when you see what happened, plus you felt it. Too. Well, no wonder my blood hurts. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what I was thinking. I was like, I think I've got like three seconds. I either get this guy up or they drag him down. And if he goes down, I'm probably going to go down too. And if I go down there too, they're going to hit me. So... Yeah. Yeah. So, and nationwide I mean, that, copyright continues. Yeah. So this this is this is what the context of that video that we played as the cold open uh, is really coming from is that like we saw those protests happening up in Portland. 
people have decided to take to the streets here in Los Angeles. Literally three minutes from now, as we're recording this live, uh, at it's it's about to become noon here on Sunday in Los Angeles. The there is a a BLM led uh, solidarity protest happening outside of the federal building. Uh, at Wilshire and the 405. So that, that address is 11,000 Wilshire. Uh, it is happening at noon. I'm, I forget exactly how long it's going to be going for, but it is a BLM solidarity action surrounding the protests in in Portland that have been going on for, again, more than 50 days at this point. Uh, the action mm-hmm. that was going on last night was a similar action. I don't know who had organized it. Uh, I believe there's going to be another action happening in downtown again tonight. Uh, that these the the ones in downtown tend to be focused on city hall, uh, mm-hmm. or the and in the case last night, it was the metropolitan detention center that they some some protesters uh, smashed the windows of, uh, got mm-hmm. into the lobby of that building. Uh, that is that is a building that uh, you are intimately familiar with, Bushido, having spent mm-hmm. a significant portion of. Oh God, that was two was that two years ago with Occupy two years Ice? ago, yeah. So yeah. and and ground game, uh, you know, that was one of the first things that I was involved with with ground game was supporting that action out at the uh, the steps of the Metropolitan Detention Center uh, for the mm-hmm. Occupy ICE LA uh, camping, uh, not camping, yeah, but the, the the occupation of that space, yeah, the encampment. So yeah. the uh, that that's what's been going on here in LA, but some truly horrifying shit has been going on. Uh, in Austin, and uh, well, let's let's talk about Aurora first before okay. we go to Austin, yeah, because yeah. Aurora also saw, you know, one one thing that we've been focusing on is um, state violence, but there's a lot of violence from anti-protester forces, and we yes. saw that last night in Aurora. It's something we've seen in LA, where there have been like several car attacks, like none of them have resulted in death or super serious injury, but we've had people drive cars through crowds. Um, and it doesn't get a lot of reporting and it doesn't get a lot of pickup. And the same thing happened last night in Aurora. Um, and a few people were injured. No one was killed, fortunately. Um, but after the the suspects stopped, they were um, met by police officers and then put into the back of cruisers without handcuffs. Um, and that's sort of the same thing that happened at Fairfax, where somebody drove through the yeah. crowd. The police let them through their line. They, they took him into custody, but then it's unclear what happened to him after that. And no one's really reported on it. And it's sort of disturbing. Yeah. Um, but then in, in uh- Austin... We had uh, a shooting that was also associated with somebody else trying to drive their car through a crowd. Yeah. Uh, so let's just go ahead and jump straight into this clip. It's horrifying. Yes. So for those of you on the podcast, we will watch again. So is it? gunshots and then the camera kind of runs away from the scene where the shots were fired yeah four shots and one person garrett forrest was or foster sorry garrett foster uh was killed um he was there with his uh wife who is a paraplegic whose wheelchair he was pushing um they've been longtime activists in austin they're well known apparently garrett had been out protesting for 50 days um this was his 50th day of protest um and it's He's now dead at the hands yeah. of a man who's been taken into custody, but will my prediction is will not be charged. Uh, Texas's stand your ground laws are incredibly lax, and I honestly don't think that the police or the DA in Austin, Texas, care if you kill a protester. Yeah, um, here's uh, an eyewitness account of what happened. A car drove up. We were taking the streets, and he shot Garrett. <laughs> Garrett is the husband of Whitney, a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, and he is her caretaker and has been for like 10 years. I think he pointed the gun at her. (laughs) Sorry, they've been out here for like all 50 days so far. Holy shit. Yeah, I know who they are. Someone got shot, guys. And 
and there's a lot that's going on, not just at the local level, but at the national level, where Trump is whipping up this kind of support. And we're seeing federal troops getting sent to not just Seattle, but to Chicago, um, to St. Louis, um, other cities that I'm sure we will find out about, not to mention the fact that like there are already federal forces deployed in most of our major cities. Like Trump doesn't have to announce a deployment of federal officers to LA or New York because yeah. those cities are crawling with feds. Like the one Wilshire building that sits a couple of blocks from where you are downtown is the internet hub for the entire West Coast. And sitting about a half block away from that is a building called the Madison Complex, which is owned by the NSA, and it's one of their eavesdropping stations. And it is there uh, looking nondescript and looking like a very uninteresting building in the middle of downtown, when in fact it is one of the central nodes in our internet's in our intelligence gathering operations and signal gathering operations. And it's kind of nuts. Um, if you've never heard of One Wilshire, like, go look it up. Like. That's where all of this stuff is being routed as we speak. Um, and it is a very important resource, and it's one that is very, very, very well protected, even though you don't see that most of the time. Yeah, uh, it's it's wild to think about the, the levels of um, just the pervasiveness of this, of these kind of federal agents within our cities like we, that we don't even necessarily recognize as as being in there and that's actually uh one of the concerns about you know why this group exists like the the group no olympics exists exactly around you know one of their main concerns aside from the the trauma and you know the displacement the gentrification all of those things that are inherent to the capital investment and um just the way that the city interacts with itself in order to bring the olympics in mm -hmm. produce the facilities that are used for it it's all a massively disruptive massively harmful traumatizing thing for the city to go through but at the same time now after september 11th any kind of an event like this triggers a national security response it becomes a national security special enforcement uh event i forget exactly what the uh yep. the, the the acronym is for national that, but... security event nse Yes, that of course. It's, it's a it's a it's a very you know um, inventive and original acronym. Oh yeah. So, it, it, but what what that means is uh, that we would be seeing the Department of Homeland Security running the show here in L.A. and they would be in charge of like everything within a, you know a couple of mile radius of all of these events uh, of like Los Angeles International Airport, all of these things, and. There's the thing is that there, we we've seen the context of what those kinds of ramping up of enforcement actually mean already. We we saw what happened when we had the '84 Olympics and the number of people who were basically disappeared for two weeks. They were just picked up and taken off the streets and held in jail until the end of the event, and then they were put back out on the streets. But they also hired thousands more cops explicitly for the Olympics. Then after the Olympics were done, they're like, okay, well now we don't need these cops here anymore. What are we going to do with them? So they just sent them all over to Skid Row and started over-policing the absolute shit out of everybody that, is, that was living in Skid Row trying to survive there. And then they just added an extra level of you know, policing on top of that just to make things more difficult and try to control it and contain it as like a, a zone within the city where you know, homelessness wasn't a problem so long as you contained it to within that skid row, those 50 blocks of skid row. Like it's, there is a history here and it is, it touches on everything that we do. And it's just terrifying when you really start pulling back uh, the curtain and, and taking a look at it. Yes. All right. So um, now that we've been doing some yeah. lighthearted topics. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I had to respond to a text. But yeah, um, moving on from that, let's talk about coronavirus because the, oh God. <laughs> the world is approaching 4 million cases and 650,000 deaths. Uh, and the state of California is uh, not doing that great. Not doing that great is putting it uh, very mildly. Uh, as of 10 p.m. last night, we were up to 448,393 cases confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California that is up 67,381 from last week uh, there were 8,010 new cases confirmed yesterday which puts this puts us up to uh, we are now at uh, eight sorry uh, 8,430 deaths in the state due to the virus 89 of them coming yesterday so fortunately we're seeing that the the daily death toll 
last week wasn't as high as it, it's been, uh, you know, at the end of the week, at least it wasn't as high as it was earlier in the week, but we were still like, you can still see in these little, uh, in these graphs, which mm -hmm. that's why we include them when we're talking about this on Twitch is there's a cyclical process each week where the number of cases and deaths cycles up at the beginning of the week and then it tapers off as the weekend is approaching and then it does mm -hmm. the same thing again the next week and i don't i don't know specifics of why that is other than probably like scheduling of what healthcare facilities are available like uh the way that the reporting is done the data collection all of that probably all plays yeah. into it but the... uh, well and a lot of stuff that happens on the weekends can't get reported until monday so monday is going to see more of that stuff reported um yeah, but it's, I, it seems, my guess. I know a lot of it has to do with the the processing of tests. Yeah, it's well the the death counts it it follow the same kind of a cyclical pattern, which is bizarre. But it's like Tuesdays and Wednesdays tend to be the spike days, um, which is horrifying. Um, but we do seem like we've kind of plateaued. Uh, it, it's you know people have made comments about the fact that well now that the the virus is now in, it's spreading into a healthier population as a whole. Uh, who are more capable of surviving it, but they're going to just mm -hmm. be you know, hospitalized for long periods of time. But we also just genuinely have no idea how this virus operates. And it, and it can be, uh, they, like I, I saw some article uh, coming out of the UK last week where they think that they've found some kind of a genetic marker that uh, is, is indicative of being more susceptible to a more severe uh, mm -hmm. response to the virus. Um, well, I know but... I know they also um, there's been some pretty solid research that shows that blood type does affect it. Like people with A blood types are more susceptible to it. People with O blood types uh, generally are very not susceptible to it. Yeah. So this is the thing that we're learning about as we're trying to combat it. And it, it's it's a learning process that is unfortunately extreme, extremely expensive uh, in terms of human life. And that it's, it's horrifying. Uh, so. When it comes to hospitalizations across the state of California, we seem to be tapering off a little bit, uh, which is at least mildly reassuring that we've 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 fucked up badly enough that we've decided to start doing something about it. And that doing something about it does seem to be having some kind of an impact of like kind of flattening this curve. But at the same time, like the whole argument of why you need to flatten the curve was to give yourself the ability, the time to prepare actual responses and actually implement the types of quarantine measures that have worked in other countries as you know i i i've, I've seen people talking about like the the schools reopening and all of the, the, those push the push for the school reopening like the reason why they're able to reopen in countries in europe and in places like in vietnam and in south korea and in hong kong all of these places that have dealt with mm -hmm the the virus coming in having a spike and then immediately tamping it down like in south korea and in hong kong they were able to, to survive with almost no spike in cases same thing with vietnam because people actually fucking did what they were supposed to do started doing social distancing engaged in wearing masks all the goddamn time and mm -hmm. there were the you know these these are countries that have had experiences with sars viruses in the past and because they knew what the hell they were doing they had that that knowledge base that we as a country just fucking ignored and we didn't follow their lead of the people who were the experts in dealing with this kind of an infection. And we are now suffering the consequences of it. Um, here in the County of Los Angeles, uh, our new cases were up to 172,343 confirmed cases of COVID-19. That's 12 and a half percent more than it was last week. Uh, 3,408 new cases confirmed yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we are up to 4,351 deaths in the county. Uh, the, the, we had 51 deaths yesterday. So we're like looking back at the, the new cases, I'm, I'm, it looks like we're going to be seeing the, the death count um, spiking here in LA County uh, to follow along the, it, because of the, the, the lagging indicator, as we've spoken of before, mm -hmm. the, the two to three weeks after the fact. The state of California, like other counties, were the ones where this really hit them more, uh, Im more immediately at the end of June and beginning of July with the reopening. We kind of, mm -hmm. kind of dodged a bit of a bullet. It's still bad, but it's not like as bad as it was in other places that were more aggressive in the reopening. Uh, I am yeah. terrified to think of what the fuck's going to happen with Orange County. 
like I mean, you saw those pictures, I'm sure, of the uh, the mass baptisms and then like all the people that are mm-hmm. just hanging out on the beach in very close proximity to one another. None of them are wearing masks. They all think that it's a government conspiracy. Uh, it's just horrifying. Um, our we we've got a very different trend of the hospitalizations uh, here in LA County compared to the state. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. this double hump situation. I really don't mm-hmm. know what to make of that, but uh, yeah, at least we we haven't run out of beds yet. That's that's the one redeeming quality in all this. Yeah. Well, it seems like also the the mortality rate is a little bit lower or is kind of plateaued. Um, it doesn't seem to be climbing um, as transmissions of cases seem to be climbing, or at least not at the same rate, um, which I'm not really sure what to make of that. Um, but mm-hmm. that is at least one good sign of hope. Like it seems like people are surviving longer or at least yes. fewer vulnerable people are getting it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but also we have to keep in mind, like a lot of these numbers get corrected and mm-hmm. there were big jumps in mortality rates because like the city of New York realized that they weren't counting thousands of deaths that had yep. happened and then yep. suddenly had to count them all. So it's really hard to make heads or tails, but it seems like we're definitely headed back for another lockdown. Like I can't see Los Angeles making it through this without that. Um, And as, as, as Brenna is pointing out in the chat here, this is all like we're, we're heading into another lockdown uh, as you just said, Bushido. And at the same time, we're about to see a wave of evictions, the likes of which this country has never seen before. And they, our elected officials have the capacity to do things to stop that from from hitting. They can keep the eviction courts closed. They can pass a, yeah. a, they can extend the moratoriums if they fucking want to. And they well, let's uh, let, let's talk about that a little bit because the county board has been discussing those exact ideas and apparently rejecting them, uh, uh, which yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so it's it's so I was I was um I was live tweeting the the county board of supervisors meeting on Tuesday. Uh, the extension, the extension of the eviction moratorium was one of the agenda items because, uh, like our city council, the board of supervisors also takes about a month off. Uh, their month off is August, uh, but they don't start that until sometime in the middle or end of next week, I guess. So they are going to have one more meeting, um, for, uh, for August, they'll have a meeting on, I guess it's August 4th. They're going to have a meeting to talk about, um, you know, just wrapping up some business before they go on their, their little vacation. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's going to be a report back regarding the the various eviction uh, protections that have been put into place across the county and how the county's uh, legislation on this stacks up with the various, uh, not just the, 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 the cities mm-hmm. that rely on the county to provide all of their services for them, but also just like, all of the cities as a whole, just to see where, where everything stacks up. And uh, Sheila Kuehl was pushing for a um, language that would extend this moratorium by two months. Mm -hmm. So it would cover all of August and then it would renew uh, again, because what would happen is that the, the protections would expire before the count, before the board of supervisors reconvened. And so Mm -hmm. they they were basically pushing for the two month extension on that. Um, But Sheila Kuehl also was trying to create a, um, a floor of the the bare minimum level of protection mm. that you would be afforded if you live anywhere in the county. It doesn't matter which city you live in. But yeah, so that would override looser or less stringent local Correct. regulation, like municipal regulation. Okay. Absolutely. So that that was what Sheila Kuehl was asking for, uh, and then Catherine Barger was having none of it because Catherine Barger is a horrible person. Uh, and she basically was pushing back saying like, well, ah, well, this is going to create so much confusion and da, 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 da. And basically she pushed for a, uh, an amendment to the motion that Sheila Kuehl was advancing that called for a report back in, uh, you know, at, at, at on the, the next meeting, uh, mm-hmm. for how the, how this, the eviction protections that are afforded by the County, uh, would measure up and, and what the impact would be of, creating those as the baseline and enforcing those as the baseline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheila Kuehl brought up in response to Catherine Barger's uh, call for this amendment that this would leave uh, businesses without any kind of eviction protections for two months mm-hmm. because one of the things that has happened is that the county is protecting businesses from being evicted from their spaces as part of this eviction moratorium. 
uh, and then you know, extending that for two months extends those protections for businesses anywhere in the, uh, the unincorporated portions of the county. By not pushing those, those regulations out as a floor for every city within the county, it leaves places like in Glendale or other cities, which I don't actually know what Glendale's is, uh, but mm-hmm. it, there's there would if you don't already have an eviction protection for businesses, you'd be then stuck for the next two months without any eviction protection. But um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, apparently they're going to be getting a report back about this on Tuesday to discuss uh, or, or, or is I guess it is next Tuesday uh, mm-hmm. uh, relating to what um, what the impact of that would be. And so there, there's still the opportunity for this to be adopted but like Catherine barger was like whoa 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 pump the brakes and and janice hahn uh was like <laughs> sure i will second that motion and uh, a little bit of fireworks uh went off but nothing uh goes into the uh the fireworks <laughs> of la county quite yeah. like uh a fun little measure which let me pull up the this is the uh the reimagine la initiative. reimagine la yeah. yes so I've got some graphics here from them because they've got a very cool So give cool us the background website. on Reimagine LA. What's, what is it? What are they trying to do? All right. Yeah. So Reimagine LA is a, uh, it's a coalition campaign uh, to put, a, uh, put up a, a charter amendment that would allocate uh, 10% of the budget uh, on a fixed basis to be used for uh, community investment and social programs. Mm-hmm. So this would basically say, okay, the way that the budget is allocated, you must present at least 10% of it uh, for pr- pr- provide that 10% of it goes to these kinds of uh, community alternatives to policing or, or 911 rather, uh, you know, the office of diversion and reentry, these kinds of investments that, uh, that are so necessary to start really reinvesting into the community and providing a, 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 response to how communities thrive and and, uh, fostering that thriving rather than just increasing spending on policing, which is what Mm -hmm. uh, the sheriff and all of his, his buddies want. Um, So there, there was, there was a lot going on. This, this is a a coalition of a whole bunch of different organizations. Uh, I'm actually very sad to see that uh, ground games logo did not make it up onto there, but I do believe we signed on, but I guess we didn't sign on in time uh, to make the website. Um, But yeah, basically the, the gist of it here is that well, um, and also we have we have organizers within Ground Game that work for United Way. So, correct. You know, we were we were kind of already involved in the work before we organizationally gave our our John Hancock. Bingo. Um. So sadly, we didn't make it onto the website before they uh, stopped updating it. I guess or or in on a on a break. Doesn't matter. Um. But the the gist of it this is this is very much the same kind of a situation of. LA County spends a ton of money on law enforcement in much right. the same way that the city of Los Angeles also spends a ton of money on, on law enforcement. Uh, I mean, LA, LA Sheriff's Department's budget is bigger than LAPD's. And yes. LA Sheriff's Department is a bigger department, uh, I believe, than LAPD because, remember, they're all the jailers. Yes, that is absolutely true. Uh, and it is one of the largest jail systems in uh, the world. Uh, yeah. It, it... <laughs> That's the gesturing for, like, global, the, the world. So I guess I should be doing one of these, actually. <laughs> no, no flat earth, no flat earth anything's in this podcast ever. God damn it. Dude. Earth is a flat circle. No. Uh, what? <laughs> Somebody made a song about living in a glass dome with walls of ice around the perimeter. I mean, my friend, uh, my friend, Hanalore was in... Um, that Netflix documentary where she's like debunking flat earth stuff. But there is an interesting point in there where they're like the flat earthers would be scientists, but somewhere along the line, their development got like thrown off and they're skeptical of like science and stuff. And they're yeah. like trying to be the outside. Anyways, before we go into that, because that really has nothing to do, no. uh, though is equally as ridiculous as Catherine Barger's resistance to the imagine LA initiative. So that's how we'll loop the two of those together. Yeah, absolutely. So the the gist of this is that we spend a ton of money on law enforcement. Uh, so, for instance, this is uh, you know four hundred million roughly is for just the juvenile halls and camps in uh, the twenty nineteen to twenty twenty budget. That's twelve hundred dollars per person per day. Uh, it's just like all of these statistics are absolutely terrifying uh, for what it is that we're we're seeing and, and comparing like what it is that people need to be making in order to afford rent versus what people are actually making 
Like, you know, you would need to be paid yeah. forty seven fifty an hour uh, to afford the median rent here in in L.A. County versus our minimum wage of fourteen twenty five. Like that is a huge fucking disparity. And well, and, and that, that's to afford rent at the comfortable like thirty percent marker. Uh, most of the people we know exist around the forty to fifty percent of their their income yes. uh, is paying for their rent. But what did the sheriff think of this? Because um, I imagine <laughs> Sheriff Alex was a huge fan of this redistribution of his budget. Uh, Sheriff Alex Villanueva was extremely not happy about this. Uh, he had a lot of very fun things to say. Sadly, I didn't pull any clips of it. Uh, but he did. Yeah, he did an Instagram live that uh, did not uh, did not make him look better. It was not the PR coup he was hoping for. <laughs> it actually was really funny. He actually uh, he read out one of my comments uh, where I was suggesting that they take the funding away from his department and use it to pay for these kinds of social programs. And uh, Sheriff Alex Villanueva told uh, his Instagram audience that I had no idea what I was talking about. So I have been called out. Uh, That's and all I have to say, around, Chris, is you're just, you're a useful idiot. You, uh, you well, know nothing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, fuck you, Sheriff Alex Illinois, fuck you. Uh, go away. Anyway. So one he, of... he also called out PCC and a couple other groups. Um, he was, uh, very liberal in his, uh, attempts to attack anyone and everyone he codes yeah. as their enemy, which is uh, everyone who doesn't think that we should have, uh, domestic abusers armed with guns and on the city's payroll or county's yeah. payroll. Rather. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So uh, part of the context for why um, Catherine Barger got all like really upset about all of this is that the, 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 the scheduling for how governance works in, in the city and county of L.A. has really been thrown for a loop by coronavirus, and they've all been yeah. very bad at responding to it. The county has been particularly bad at responding to it because for the longest period of time, they were not taking like any public comment at all. Uh, yeah. They've cut themselves down to one extremely inaccessible meeting per two weeks. And it's just frankly bullshit that these five people who control so much power in the county of Los Angeles are basically not being able to be held to account by the public at all. And now they they do make it easy to submit electronic comment. That is which true. is the one the one like thing I will give them. The one gold star is submitting electronic comment to the county board agenda way easier than L.A. City Council. That is like. True. You go to the L.A. County's website and it just has all of the agenda items listed there with like you just now it doesn't tell you what the agenda items are. You have to go to a separate page and figure out exactly what agenda item means what. But they do have a nice little box there where you can comment as long or as short on every single item that you want. Yeah. Um, whether or not they actually read those and take them into account, it seems like well, they do a better job of that than L.A. City Council, where like Paul Coretz's office is basically bragged like, yeah, we get public comments, but we don't bother to read them. We don't count them or take any note of them. Yeah. And so the the one of the things there that they the, so two and a half weeks ago when they were talking about the uh, potential closure of the men's central jail and the plan to move forward with that, uh, the public comment period was flooded with people who were very supportive of keeping the jail open. Uh, but then when you looked at like the Who electronic comment, they're, uh, they literally, Who? literally they are sheriff's deputies and sheriff's deputies, like, yeah. uh, union people. Like it was, it was really fun, bleak. Fun, fun story. Hopping in the way, way back machine back yeah. in like 1995 when they were going, when they were talking about cutting the sheriff's budget, uh, a lads had oh, all yeah. of the deputies call in and when the secretaries would pick up the phone, they would make terribly misogynistic, sexist, disgusting comments. Uh, this only came to a stop when the supervisors themselves started picking up the phone because I think there was only one female supervisor at the time. It was not the four to one female majority that we have now, but uh, that shows you where ALADS is at. And ALADS, for those of you that don't know, is the Association of Los Angeles Deputies. Uh, and they are the deputies union, essentially, that Sheriff Alex used to work his way into power and uses to sort of hold the county board of supervisors hostage um, by threatening them that his terribly behaved gang member deputies will be even more terribly behaved. Um, yeah. No. So they're, they're good folks. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're great. They are absolutely stand up citizens uh, and they are not just brutish thugs. Uh, yep. but anyway, the, um, the, the way that this went down was a problem for Catherine Barger because, um, the, the scheduling was, was, was they, she basically just came out and was like, this was something that was put forward in the dead of the night. It is rushed. It is not thought out. We are going to get burned by this because what, what 
what we're talking about here is a county charter amendment. So mm -hmm. in order for a charter amendment to get onto the ballot in November, it needed to have been submitted like right the fuck now uh, yeah. and, and be going through that process because there's a, a period of a few months that is necessary uh, for the secretary of state and the, um, the, 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 the registrar um, board of elections folks to handle it and to get things processed appropriately, get it so that the language is up on the sample ballot, get it so that all of the documents are, are handled appropriately to have this thing be uh, voted upon. And so that was what necessitated the introduction of this motion uh, at this particular meeting was like, this was the last meeting it could be introduced at and still make it onto the ballot. Um, and the introduction of it came, you know, United Way is one of the organizations that's really been at the core of this, but they're one of many organizations like this, as I <laughs> showed you in that, that little image with like, uh, probably 30 or so organizations on it, including YJC, who has been doing this work for decades now. Yeah. Like, these are organizations that have been doing this fight for a very, very, very long time. This is not something new. This is not something that should be a surprise. It is a piece of work that has been taking a long time to pull together. And United Way has been one of the more prominently um, visible organizations mm -hmm. in this work. And uh, coincidentally, uh, Sachi Hamai, who is the county's chief executive officer, um, which she's because she's the CEO, she's not above the board, but she uh, does a lot of work with them. And she basically is one of the people mm -hmm. who's managing these meetings. Uh, so, but, Sachi, so what does what the, the county CEO do? Just to, just to kind of illuminate that for folks a little bit. That is an excellent question. It is something that I am in the process of learning. Uh, thank you for calling it, me out on that. Yeah. No, it's actually, it's very <laughs> complicated. And it's a weird overlap position that is yes. not really a full executive. Um, right mainly administrative, um, but also yeah. not elected. Like the county CEO is appointed, I believe, um, and not democratically elected. It's... You're, you, so I know that much is absolutely true. It is, it is an appointed position, it is not an elected official. It's the, the Byzantine rules of our county. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things, like when people think of like the CEO, they think of uh, somebody who is, you know, like my old boss, Elon Musk. He is the CEO of SpaceX. He's the CEO of Tesla. That is what people envision a CEO to be is like the person who's pretty cavalier about everything that they're doing and they get to run the company the way that they want. Right. That's not the way the CEO for the county works. The board of the board of supervisors, 100 percent are the ones who are in charge here. And mm -hmm. so there was uh, a bit of conflict here because, as I was starting to say, Sachi, who is the county CEO, sits on the board of United Way. And so during the uh, during the meeting. Uh, this happened. So let's just go ahead and listen to uh, the centered play between Catherine Barger, who is the chair of the County Board of Supervisors, because again, uh, we have this absolutely stupid fucking system where one of the five of them is the chair and it's completely fucking arbitrary. And now we have a fucking Republican sitting as the chair of the Board of Supervisors for no fucking reason in a county that has so few Republicans that she's the only one that's holding any position of power. Yeah. Anyway. And it's technically a nonpartisan position. Eh, whatever. You get my point. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Sachi, can you just clarify? You sit on Catherine the board Barger. of the United Way. So when I talk about the dead of night, we found out about this on a Thursday night. And you sit on the board for United Way. When did you find out about it? Uh, Madam Chair, I found out about it this week. I know I reached out to um, the CEO, Elise Buick, um, after I had found out. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, I do. No, where'd the audio go? Um, oh, no. I'm not sure if perhaps I missed a board meeting or something that it was put before the board, but um, I was unaware. I uh, did want this board to know um, that effective today, I would receive from the board of directors. I want to make sure that there is no perceived conflict of interest given my current role here as the CEO of LA County. So, yes, I heard the sheriff talk about that. Hennessy. That's Sheila Kuehl. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I um, think it would probably be in the best interest. But I think it has to be clarified that United Way did not invent this. They, they've been a partner in all of the ATI stuff, and not to mention all the homelessness stuff. ATI um, is the And all of the other organizations that brought it forward. Uh, I don't think mm -hmm. we really need to 
to uh, criticize United Way for being a partner in wanting the ATI stuff to be funded. They've been with it all along. Uh, fun fact, immediately after that, Catherine Barger hump, hops right back in and is like, uh, I'm sorry, but I have to disagree and push back blah, 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 and all this stuff. And she's just going on a tear about how much she mm -hmm. hates. So, uh, so what was the, what was the outcome? So, uh, the outcome was, uh, <laughs> more fighting between the supervisors for a while. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, it went something like this. We're saying we want to lock it in because we know better then anyone else is going to get voted in after us. And I respectfully disagree with that. Especially I think we're saying Congress. the voters get to decide. Let's put the jail on the agenda. I mean, on the ballot. Let's start putting all these things on the ballot that we all do not necessarily um, uh, agree on. And let's I think not. one could make that argument. Supervisor yeah. Thomas. Yeah, let's not put the jail on the ballot, Madam Chair. Let, let, let's... Let's not do that. Um, um, I simply want to say um, the following. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh my God, Mark, what? <laughs> like he didn't do anything wrong there, but like, how is he that slow at talking, making the? words chris no but that was like incredibly frustrating that was like a long walk to the end of his very pointless sentence um yeah. but so, so is it, <laughs> welcome is to my tuesday yeah. but is this something that we'll be voting on in november or is yes. there it, it, we will be voting on yeah on so here here okay. here's uh here's the vote because um again these are five of the uh most highly paid elected officials in the country they are five of the most powerful elected officials in the country, on, on par with many senators in terms of their uh, their representation. Again, each one well, of them I, represents... No, bigger than, they have constituencies bigger than most senators. Uh, uh, you know. Yes. Yeah, because they're, they're at, what, like around 2 million-ish per person? Uh, well, the there's board. five of them, and there's 12.5 million people in the county, so yeah. we're yeah. looking at almost 3 million people each. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, here, here's here's how they conducted themselves uh, for this vote. Uh, I yes, moved the previous. I moved the previous question on the entire matter, ma Madam Chair. In other words, it's time to vote. No, I move it. Okay, uh, moved by Supervisor Ridley Thomas to vote on fifty-one. Move it. No, I move it. I move fifty-one C. Police. At this point. <laughs> excuse me. Madam Chair. We're calling for the vote. It's moved by Supervisor Kuehl, seconded by Supervisor Solis. Please call the roll. Oh what the fuck? Madam Chair, this is on 51C. 51C. Oh, it's, Supervisor it Solis? Yes. It gets better. Supervisor Solis, aye. Supervisor Ridley Thomas? Aye. Supervisor Ridley Thomas, aye. Supervisor Kuehl? Yes. Supervisor Kuehl, aye. Supervisor Hahn? Hallelujah, yes. Supervisor Hahn, aye. Supervisor Barger? An enthusiastic no. Motion passes four to one. That's okay. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Uh, so after all, after all that, so it is going to the ballot now. Uh, correct. Whether Catherine Barger likes it or not. And this was, there was, there was well over an hour of this conversation going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, accusations being leveled against United Way. Uh, Saatchi was getting taken to task by Catherine Barger. To be fair, also, Saatchi deserved to be taken to task because she was putting up a whole bunch of stuff that was, frankly, bullshit, talking about the need to be able to be flexible and how we're spending mm -hmm. our, our, our budget, how we're allocating the budget to respond to these kinds of issues, where... Uh, Frankly, there's no legs to stand on for that, that that claim of that need for that flexibility because when it came to all of the CARES funding that we were supposed sure. to be processing for handling our response to coronavirus, they fucking dropped that ball so hard. Mm -hmm. So it's like this was money that was extremely flexible and you had all of the authority to do whatever the fuck you wanted with it and you couldn't figure out how to spend it. You couldn't mm -hmm. figure out how to do that job. So the, the calls for there to be flexibility in in these budgeting processes, it's just like, nah, you're, you're, that's just complete bullshit. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, the news out of this is that the CEO resigned from uh, the her board position on the United Way. 
Mm. They're all a bunch of petty children who bicker like crazy. Um, <laughs> oh, and then also we, we did have one really great thing that did also come out of this was that uh, I got to listen to an hour and a half of everybody making very uh, laudatory speeches about how great they are for passing an anti-racist um, uh, you know, yeah. organizing principle for the county, which was, it, honestly, it's a great motion that was presented by, um, by Mark Ridley Thomas. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like, holy shit, people, like, they all... Yeah. Every director of every fucking department had to get up there and just pontificate for a good yeah. couple of minutes, and it was just mind-boggling to listen to and, and, yeah. and drove me insane. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about that going forward. So, uh, but for the moment, let's turn our, our eyes back to yes. uh, the city of L.A., because after the March for Melly and the community town hall that Black Lives Matter L.A. Uh, um, hosted, we got a roundtable on AirTalk, which was not being hosted by Larry, which I'm pretty happy about. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what Melina Abdullah, Pete White, Herb Wesson, and Alex Vitale had to say about the future of policing in Los Angeles. Well, so for some context, uh, this is the book by Alex Vitale, who was that that uh, fourth guest. Yeah, on who wrote the, the end table. of policing, a very good read. It's great. Uh, so the 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 point here is that. Uh, Libby Denkman was taking over for uh, for Larry Mantle to host Air Talk this week, and and Libby Libby has done some really great reporting uh, throughout the last few months, and and going back further than that. But I I was made <coughs> excuse me one second. All right, you okay there? Mm-hmm. I just managed to choke on my myself. Um, <clears throat> that, that there we go. Uh, yeah, so so Libby has been doing some really great reporting, uh, especially during the times, uh, you know, my my she caught my attention in her original reporting following the first set of protests to erupt in Los Angeles after the killing of George Floyd. Uh, she had a really great time, a really re- great conversation with, um, I believe it was, was, was with Pastor Q talking about uh, and mm-hmm. understanding and asking these great questions about why it is that protesters in L.A., take the freeways during the protest and and pastor mm-hmm. q was able to explain like the the impact of what the freeways have done to the black communities in los angeles and to all all of the uh, oppressed communities in los angeles how it were mm-hmm. these these freeways were built tearing through these neighborhoods cutting them in half dividing them from themselves and simultaneously enabling uh white folks to you know live further and further away and then commute into the core uh, and then drive through and ignore all the problems rather than having to address them. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, Libby did some really great reporting uh, on that story. And then ever since then, she's been just, you know, absolutely, you know, batting a thousand on these things um, as far as I've caught. Um, and so when she took over for Larry Mantle, it, she was able to, you know, Larry Mantle tends to take the side of the cops uh, and let yes. the cops have the last say and have... Uh, some very yeah. Problematic I mean, he opinions. has he has both the sheriff and the yes. um, the uh, police chief on. Yes. Uh, I think every month they each get one appearance. It's it's wild. So uh, yeah. that is not what was happening on on uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, so Melina Abdullah was there, uh, and she gave some absolutely uh, brilliant um, context for you know, this. Is right in the aftermath of John Lewis having passed. Uh, mm-hmm. she was able to really give some great context for what his work was and what the work that Black Lives Matter is continuing in that same, you know, in the, the struggle with the, the good trouble, right? Um, <clears throat> Pete White was also a part of this conversation and was similarly able to talk about the history of the organizing in uh, L.A. Can. Uh, and then Herb Wesson was on, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit miffed that uh, Wesson got to talk as much as he did about his run for supervisor but that was that is of course something that must be taken into consideration anytime that an elected official is running for a, a further elected office you you want to contextualize the legislative motions that they put forward in those you know those last six months that they're in in this particular office because that is absolutely going to be part of whatever it is that they're campaigning on as they're trying to uh fight for that future office uh position that they're trying to, to win so 
it was a great conversation. Alex Vitale joined in for, for a portion of it at the end. Uh, sadly, he was not able to join in for the, the beginning portion. And then, and also, sadly, we didn't get to see uh, anyone from the community calling in and, and being able to provide any kind of comments or questions because uh, they only had an hour. And it was honestly, it was a great conversation. We'll give you guys a link to uh, to that interview on KPCC. Uh, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this, I'm sure later with, with a yeah. couple of clips or something. Next but it's, week. it's a big move where like the Black Lives Matter LA has been able to actually get a seat at the table and to have Herb Wesson, at least as he's departing city council, become kind of an advocate and champion for it. And it'll be interesting to see how much follow through there is on that, yeah. but it's more traction than we've ever seen these groups getting before. So, um, Absolutely. I know this is not going to be the last time we report on it, but no. I guess is where, uh, Getting towards the end, let's uh, let's talk about Jose Weizar real quick uh, because he, he actually applied to the federal judge overseeing his case for a federal public defender, and uh, the judge said yes, you can have a federal public defender, uh, but you have to pay three thousand dollars a month for it. So you are guaranteed uh, a defender, uh, like a public defender, in all of your criminal proceedings. But if you're wealthy enough, the courts can man- mandate that you shoulder that burden yourself. Now, most of the time we think about public defenders, we uh-huh. think of them as pro bono and serving people who don't have means, which is what they do most of the time. But there are people who, um, I guess in Jose Wezar's case, find $3,000 a month far easier to uh, pay that amount than to go to a private defense attorney. Cause that's what I'm hearing from his filing is he's too broke <laughs> to get like a good expensive private defense attorney. Well, I mean, uh, cause so a lot of his money was all, you know, it was all in those cardboard boxes, right? So you gotta hide it better. <laughs> you can't just leave boxes of, of money lying around your place. Jose, you gotta like, I don't know, at least, at least get like, um, Get like a storage unit, you know, <laughs> Just name like Joe H or something like throw people off of the off of the trail, you know, just make well, them work a little bit harder for it. If the feds can show up to your door and walk out with boxes of money, you've done a terrible job hiding yeah. your money from the feds. I mean, he did try to do that with his with his mom, apparently. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for the rest of his family members who are now like all dragged into this thing. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, yeah. So basically bad the... luck being born a Weezer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I have zero sympathy for his wife, who was 100% complicit in all of this, and uh, she is a liar for saying that she wasn't. Um, but yeah, so the gist of this is that uh, starting in August 2020, the defendant is ordered to make monthly payments of $3,000 by no later than the fifth of each month. Uh, bah, 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 bah. And then, so these, uh, these need to be done as um, uh, cashier's check or money order, and they must be received by the clerk's office. So this is kind of fun. It's like... You're basically getting no to see yeah, this. This looks like something like from like uh, a, a lease with like a, a, a very particularly nasty landlord yeah. that does not trust you uh, to make your payments at all. And it's like, no, you got to pay everything in cashier's check. Yeah, uh, but I also got to wonder, like, what happens if he doesn't make the payment? Like, can they deny him representation? Uh, I don't think they can. Failure to it, pay the required contribution amount may result in an order finding contempt of court. Uh, okay, so so he would still get representation. Yeah. He would just be up for a different criminal charge. Okay, yep. just that tack him on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so this is again for some context here. Uh, we got some great pictures from that morning raid of uh, the day after the 2018 elections in November yeah. 2018, of all these FBI agents uh, with guns for some fucking reason. Again, why? Why do they have guns for this? Did they really think this was going to be like a Scarface situation where Jose Weizar is going to say, say hello to my little friend and start trying to machine them all, machine no, gun them all know, down? It's, it's like, it's, it's like when you look at military officers, right? Like you see a general, like yeah. a general doesn't need a gun, but they all have a sidearm because like, that's part of the costume. And it, it's yeah. just the very, very like American, like if you're a cop, you have a gun kind of mentality. But you at know, least which it's is just a general, reason. they have like a fun gun, like it's like a pistol with some kind of a crazy ornate carved handle on it and shit like that. And then they got like the fucking pipe in their mouth and they're like generals. No, not, not, not anymore. They're not, not allowed to do that kind of stuff anymore. But like, you know, with all of these FBI agents, even though most of these folks just push memos and like comb through people's tax receipts to prove like racketeering and like boring crimes like that they all want to have a gun because like that's ultimately where the power comes from. Um, side, side yeah, question. you know, best of, yeah. How much money do you think is in this picture? 
Like how much I have in, the, no idea. in this picture while they're walking out with three paper bags and at least one filing box, how many it's probably stacks at least of a couple hundreds. hundred thousand because they they found a couple hundred thousand in the house. So I would imagine it's enough to pay for a couple of public defenders. <laughs> yeah, well, now but, that's property know, of the, the city. <laughs> yeah, well, best of luck to Jose in his in his trial. You know, uh, um, it's it, if it ever goes to trial again, like, you know, it, with the courts maybe opening, maybe not opening, it's going to be weird. But I guess we'll move on to pickups because we have a couple of like yeah. a couple of dates that are not things you can attend, but things that you should know. Uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department has said they will resume doing lockouts on August 3rd. Um, the courts in California have decided that evictions can resume on August 14th. So uh, expect to see more action that's on the streets. Expect to be seeing a lot from your local tenants unions. Uh, there's going to be a big fight coming up because we haven't even begun to see the pain. Like with the 600, with the extra $600 a month in um, uh, unemployment having disappeared now and perhaps another $1,200 check on the way, but we're not really sure. Like Wasn't it folks are going to be really hard up. You know, 30% of us two did weeks, not. Right? Uh, no, I thought it was $600 a week. Yeah. Every um, week. Okay. I, but you yeah. said every month yeah. and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And then, um, uh, 1200, uh, a one time, another one time, $1,200 yes. check. But like, let's keep in mind that more than 30% of Americans did not make their rent or their mortgage payment in July. So yeah. those numbers aren't going to get better. Um, no. they're going to get a lot worse. Um, but other stuff that you can get into, we've got some exciting stuff coming up the next couple of weeks, Chris. Yeah, we do. So this, we, we, we're about to enter into what we're calling the ground game summer camp. Uh, details for how you can sign up to participate in this will be up on the website uh, or on socials or something soon. Um, the the get a rush, folks, but we'll we'll get it done. Yeah, yeah. So the the programming uh, is is going to be going on for two weeks, and it's going to start. Um, it's supposed to start this weekend, but we're actually going to have um, due to the, the 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 where this falls in terms of the fiscal reporting. Uh, periods, we're going to do like a little soft opening. And uh, so yeah. actually Rob Kwan from Unrig LA and I uh, will be hosting a, a a training session called How to Follow the Money at LA City Hall. Um, yeah. We're going to dive deep into the ethics.lacity.org website and teach you how to find all of those fun little uh, chunks of numbers that were used to, to compile those lovely bar graphs that you saw coming out of the uh, the people's budget process uh, when we were talking about how much money it is that uh, the Los Angeles Police Protective League and uh, all of these other organizations were spending to finance politicians and how much mm -hmm. money was being spent on things like Measure C and the way that these things are reported and then how you can find it and how you can use that information to uh, really get a better understanding of what the fuck is going on with LA City Council and the mayor and all of the things yeah. of city governance. We're going to dive deep into that because Rob is uh, an absolute champion on this issue of uh, trying to unrig the city's governance process, get the money out of the political process, fighting for more, you know, the, the end goal being truly publicly financed elections, uh, getting all of these kind of special influence or special interest moneyed groups out of the process altogether but that's a long hard slog and rob has been doing this fight for a long time and it's, i'm i'm thrilled to get to do uh this little teaching session with him uh this yeah. thursday at 6 p.m the reservation uh rsvp will be up we'll put that in the description as well uh it is uh bit.ly slash oh boy two wts those wt are both capitalized oh my god they didn't okay. even have a custom url don't yet yeah, no don't bother we're, to read that. we're not gonna read it link in the description yeah yeah. So, and there will be, also be up on our socials. Yes. And there will eventually be like, uh, there's, there's going to be an unrig LA, uh, website. I don't have the details on that one right now, but Rob yeah. says it's in the works. Uh, and that's dope because this is a, this is great work that Rob is doing. Uh, again, I'm thrilled to be able to help out with this. Uh, and I'll be streaming it right here on yeah. the Twitch channel, uh, as well as on the ground game LA Facebook and Twitter pages as usual, because, that's a thing we can do now, and it's super fun. Um, and uh, for the rest of the summer camp, you can yeah. also tune in to check those out. We'll be uh, recording a lot of them and mm -hmm. rebroadcasting them. We'll also be having a couple of in-person sessions yes. um, 
Hopefully. that will be, you know, properly socially distanced and with, you know, caps on how many people can attend. But if you want to learn how to stream print stuff, make zines or need to pick up some like helmets and jackets and other PPE for protests, we're going to have that going on. But Thursday, if you do show up for the, the uh, training for City Hall, stick around at 730 for our weekly meeting. We'll be doing that this Thursday, next Thursday, every Thursday at 730. <laughs> uh, just hit us up if you need the Zoom link on that yep. one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, uh, as we, as we mentioned, this is this, there's going to be a, a, a big slate of, um, of trainings that we're going to be doing for the ground game summer yeah. camp. All those details will be up on the website along with, uh, the full calendar of events, uh, registration information, how to tune in. We'll, we'll be providing all of that as we move forward. Um, and yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps it up. You got anything else, Bushido? No, that's pretty much it. I'm going to get back to playing with my new little nephew. Ah, well, you go have fun with that. So as always, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in publicizing or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page, uh, Ground Game LA on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, uh, all all of the things. We're going to, there will be links uh, as always. So this podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. Support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Of course, check the description of this podcast for sources, links to actions, and social media links. And uh, I hope that everybody who is out there at the Wilshire Federal Building right now is staying safe. Uh, I hope everybody has a fucking buddy with them and has the phone number of at least one lawyer and or an emergency contact, uh, preferably both, please, 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 um, because the cops are rioting. And yep. uh, stay safe they, out there, y'all. It's it's getting serious. It's absolutely getting serious. Uh, as we saw in that video with the cold open, they will just beat the shit out of you uh, for trying to help each other. So yeah. stay safe, protect each other, and uh, fuck the police. Thanks, yeah, everybody. True. All right. Love y'all. See you next week. <laughs>